BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, that's right. You heard the man. It's that time of week. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios, Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com. We'll help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to dive heavily into the college football playoff 11th hour scenario at noon Eastern on Sunday. The made-for-TV Invitational Tournament Committee, I'm not calling it a playoff. I never have and I never will. We'll announce the four winners, the four lucky winners. Come on down, Monty Hall. Collect your prize. We'll talk about who controls their destiny. We'll break down some matchups. And, you know, it reminds me of a story of two hunters out in the middle of the forest, and all of a sudden they see a bear who starts to approach them. One of the hunters reaches down into his duffel bag and puts on a nice brand new pair of tennis shoes he just bought. And his partner looks at him and says, Ha! You really think those tennis shoes are going to help you outrun that bear? He looks at his buddy and says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. This is what reminds me of the daunting task this playoff committee is going to have. Washington is in. And, uh, I, you know, I want to I take a minute to give them their flowers before I get to... We, we made history, and props to Jason and Mike tonight. Really good stuff on, on, their, on their final uh, send-off of the Pac-12. 
Uh, and in the final send-off, it's, it just came down to this. Oregon had no answer for any of the stud Washington receivers. There's three of them. Or the running back, Dillian Johnson. 34-31. That final third down play, 18-yard rush. Michael Panix throws for 319. And these three receivers, Jalen McMillan, Roman Adunze, and Jalen Polk, they combined for 22 catches and 290 yards. If they match up against Michigan, I'm going to kind of like Washington, but that's a con- that's a conversation for a different day. We are going to get heavily into the college football playoff scenario. Again, who controls their own destiny, the matchups, my thoughts on what might happen. Obviously, Georgia, they hold their own destiny. Michigan holds their own destiny. Florida State. They might need help. I don't know what kind of help, but they might win. You know, in the college football playoff bylaws, the committee reserves the right to omit a team if there are, quote, material changes to the composition of the roster. Now, there's always been a fundamental problem with this format because there are five power conferences and only four slots. God forbid we would have had five undefeated teams. Well, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case, Right? So, where am I going with this? The ACC is by far considered the inferior, maybe that's not the correct word, but they are not in the same class as the Pac-12, the Big 12, or the SEC, or the Big 10. So hold that thought. Bottom of the hour, we're going to get heavily into this tonight, and we'll cover everything from soup to nuts. It's been an interesting 24 hours because we had an NFL game Thursday night that also made history. Only the fifth time in the NFL regular season history have you ever had a game where there were no punts. Hasn't happened a lot. Both punters hung around on the sidelines. They don't need to wash your uniform. They got to play the Maytag repairman. I know that's a weak-ass, old-timey reference. Google it. Just Google it. Get out your Commodore 64 and Google the damn thing. Oh, by the way, if you're also into historical minutiae, The Seahawks, the first team ever in National Football League history to score 35 points in a game, not punt once, and still lose. And I guess you give it up to the Cowboys in Mr. November, Mr. October, Mr. September, Dak Prescott. He is so good when it doesn't matter. Although, well, I guess, look, the Cowboys, their victory over Seattle, 14th in a row at home. The last time they lost at home was week one of the 2022 season, and that was against a guy named Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, during that same time period, the Cowboys, though, are only 6-7 and seven on the road, not including the playoffs, where they went 1-1 one and one last year. Now, given that the Cowboys are unlikely to win their division and make the playoffs as a wild card, their reliance, I think, on their home Jerry Dome Stadium could be a major liability for their Super Bowl chances. And frankly... I think the Cowboys' real test is yet to come. This was the first time the Cowboys beat an opponent with a winning record since week two. That's when they beat Jason's New York Jets, who were 1-0 at the time. However, the Cowboys gave up 35 points Thursday night to an offense, Seattle, that was struggling mightily before Thursday's game. That less touchdown before DK Metcalf's 73-yard touchdown in the first quarter when he ran 23 miles an hour, if you're scoring at home, and I hope you are. Well, the next three weeks, 
The Cowboys play the Eagles. Not Glenn Fry. The Eagles. Jalen Hurts. The Bills. And then the Dolphins before taking on the Lions in Week 17. And, oh, by the way, in Week 18, they get the Commanders on the road. Another tough divisional game. Depending on how well or badly they do in the next four weeks, believe it or not, the Cowboys' final game of the season could mean whether or not they get into the playoffs at all, depending on what happens. Now, the Cowboys, they did need to beat the Seahawks to temporarily keep their critics quiet. Not me. But the next three or four weeks will be the real test of how good they can be. Those are my primary takeaways from Thursday night. And in addition, you Seattle Seahawks fans, you might even have an even tougher road because you got the, the, the 49ers next week. It's at San Francisco. Remember, they got mollywopped, as Kevin Figures would say, Thanksgiving night at home against them. And then you got the Eagles the week after that. 49ers and Eagles back-to-back. The Seahawks' other games, Steelers, Titans, Cardinals, I would just say... It feels like the Seahawks have competed hard. I'd like to thank them for competing in the 2023 season. They're probably going to be 8-9, and nine, just the way I get That's my guess. They won't be in a wild card spot. Although, you know what? Special, special recognition to DK Metcalf. He had a career night. He doubled his season total for receiving yards, or checked out, receiving touchdowns. He had three against the Cowboys, 134 receiving yards. And, uh, you know, he, he's a stud. Just, you know, a little, maybe you started him on your fantasy team, good for you. But, but the headline, very simple. The Cowboys, they were able to hold off the Seahawks. A very penalty-ridden game, 41-35. The ultimate outcome, it never seems certain all the way to the very end, honestly, given that brilliant Mike McCarthy time management. And uh, it it didn't feel like they were going to win. I mean, a couple of minutes into the fourth quarter, they were down 35-27, but they got some late drives. The defense did get some timely stops, but it does feel a little shaky. And by the way, the Cowboys and Seahawks combined for 19 penalties, including six defensive pass interference calls. Maybe Cleet Blakeman needs to swallow his whistle once in a while. But regardless, remember how Mike McCarthy said, at the beginning of the season, three years ago, we were going to clean up. We we're going to clean up the uh, penalty problem. That's one hell of a cleanup job. So we shall see what we shall see. Coming up, we're bringing Chad Andrus, 104.3, the fan in Denver. It's been an interesting sports week in Denver. You have a certain gentleman named Sportsman of the Year at Sports Illustrated. Not only that, is the culture turned around with the Broncos plus more. Tonight's show brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. I'm Bernie Frado. We are coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Tyrac.com studio. So stick and stay right here. Listen to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Dynasty the king, uh, king, uh. 
What's good, y'all? It's your main man, Michael Smith, esteemed NFL analyst and certified fantasy football legend. Allow me to present to you your new favorite fantasy football podcast, The Dynasty Exchange, hosted by my first-round rookie picks, Davis, Dylan, and Josh, three guys who most definitely know their stuff. They're the co-commissioners of the coolest and most cutthroat dynasty league you'll ever come across, the Yacht Club. And now they're the co-hosts of the most elite. Now make that the definitive dynasty program in the game. It's dedicated to only the most devoted of diehards, the guys like me who can't stay off sleeper in KTC. And trust me, you won't regret making the choice to follow their dynasty advice. Listen to Michael Smith Presents The Dynasty Exchange on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. All right, we're back on the Bernie Frato Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. This time, let's welcome in a gentleman from Denver, one of my favorites. You hear him on 104.3 The Fan, talking all Denver sports, very much as his thing, uh, finger on the pulse. Say hello to Chad Andrus. Chad, good to catch up with you again, buddy. Good evening, Bernie. How are you? Good. And I want to start with something here uh, that would be right in your alley. When you heard that Dion was named the Sports Person of the Year by Sports Illustrated, what was your knee-jerk reaction, especially since you have another luminary in Denver that should have probably gotten some consideration? 
Yeah, I thought they were in the right area code here in the 303, but maybe their AI messed up when they were choosing their <laughs> sports person. So, um, you know, clearly Nikola Jokic, I, I think, with his accomplishments and continuing to change the game in the NBA, whether anyone will uh, even acknowledge it or not on the national level, um, would have would have been a choice if you were going to look to the Rocky Mountain region, I would think. And, um, you know, no, nothing against – Pat Forty, who I love and is a great writer and has been awesome at Sports Illustrated for so long, he, he wrote a great piece. And I don't want to come off as anything against him at all, but um, the choice I just found interesting that, um, you know, it looked like it was something that, that is probably designed for clicks more than it is for accomplishments. And even though Prime is doing his thing to change the game of college football somewhat, I think it's a little bit of a stretch to call him sports person of the year. Fair. And I think uh, the sensationalist aspect of the Colorado story this year, although you can't tell the story without reminding everybody they not only went 1-8 and eight in Pac-12 play this year, they went 1-8 and eight in Pac-12 play last year, but he put the world on its ear in September I'm going to give Colorado a mulligan this year. I want to see what happens next year. But in light of all the developments, players transferring out, we're not going to be an ATM machine, et cetera, et cetera, a couple of assistants leaving. What is your narrative? What is your headline for Colorado football, Chad, in 2023? Oh, 2023, um, uh, I, I suppose you could say um, – the beginning, and what is yet to be written is is how long this is going to last, and how much of a turnaround, how big of a turnaround can be created while Coach Prime is there. Um, but I don't know that you can say much more than a beginning because that's all it was. It was the beginning of a season that was successful. It wasn't a full season. It was the beginning of a new process at Colorado with him in charge and the way things are going to operate. And it's the beginning of a new era in college football where you are going to see attempts at larger roster turnovers. So uh, I, I guess I would stick with that. Um, you know, the on-field product, I, I have to say, I was not real impressed with. Well, I think that's fair, and I think the record speaks for itself. But in maintaining our objectivity, he really injected life into the Colorado program, gave them hope, put them back on the map, created a lot of attention, something Rick Neuharzel, a guy like, and Gary Barnett could, could not do. What is your outlook for 2024? What will be the narrative if they're under 500 again, or do you expect them to build on this? Or, or was this just a flash in the pan, Chad? It's going to be interesting to see what kind of talent comes, particularly in the transfer portal, because that's what they're relying on, because they want to win immediately while Shadour, Sanders, and Travis Hunter are there. They want a 10-win or more season next year. I don't think that's achievable, no matter who comes through the transfer portal. Um, and the most difficult part is after next year, Shadur Sanders and Travis Hunter are going to be gone. So where does that leave you at the quarterback position? Where does that leave you in terms of your passion to go out and recruit and build a program with class after class after class of high school recruits if you're going to try to rely on transfers every year? I don't know that that you can have long-term success when you have a bunch of guys that haven't been through it together. They didn't come in together. They haven't gone through the, the weight training and 
the training table programs together. They haven't gone through the the good times and the bad times together on and off the field. They're just kind of out there for one season, right? Um, I don't know that you can have the kind of success that Coach Prime wants to have by building teams that way. I just don't don't see. Uh, it clearly hasn't been done, and I don't know if I can can provide the vision to see that it can be done that way. I think it's a very fair objective analysis. One last question. You're correct. After next year, no Travis Hunter, no Shador Sanders. So where does that leave you in the head coaching position? Could you see Deion Sanders move on after 2024? Absolutely. Absolutely. I could see him move on, but I don't think he's going to move on anywhere else. I don't think at his age and with his health, I don't think he's going chasing other big jobs and trying to start over and coach players that aren't his kids. Um, whether it's after Shadur and Travis leave or whether it's after Dylan Edwards, who was a freshman this year, a kid he's known his whole life and coached quite a bit, um, and those guys leave, um, I, I don't think it's a long-term plan here. He's not going to be coaching at Colorado for 10 or 12 or 15 seasons. That's not going to happen. Before I get your thoughts on this college football TV made-for-invitational tournament that I call and the selection, I want to stay in Denver because a few weeks ago when you had you, we, we had you on, the Broncos were on the heels of giving up 70 points to the Dolphins. They've just won five in a row with the defense gave up cumulatively, cumulatively 80 points. I feel like Sean Payton has really changed the culture, and this team has a shot to make the playoffs. You're there in the belly of the beast. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. It's it's essentially a playoff game coming up on Sunday in Houston. Because if they win that game, they're going to have a better than 50% chance, almost a 60% chance to make the playoffs with five games to go. If they don't, it's going to drop below 10%. So go ahead and look at Sunday's game against C.J. Stroud and the Texans as a playoff game. And I think the Broncos can stay hot enough to get it done against the rookie quarterback and do it on the road. Um, that's going to give everybody renewed hope around here. Right now, people are still kind of treading lightly and really getting wrapped up in how nice the story is and the fact that there's hope going forward because Sean Payton was able to turn it around from 1-5 and five and probably the worst team in the NFL through six games. And now to even be having this conversation, it provides help, hope for the longer-term future. If they win Sunday, it's going to provide hope for the immediate future. What's been the biggest factor? Obviously, Russell Wilson has shown flashes of the younger Russell Wilson, and this top-rated defense last year is starting to find its stride again. What what changed? What flipped? Turnover differential, and the reason that happened is Sean Payton started to coach this team to the strengths of the current personnel and not trying to fit the square peg into the round hole of the way he wants to play. Meaning he's not trying to force the football down the field in the air. Instead, they're relying on the running game and a very short passing game, getting the ball out of Russell Wilson's hands very quickly, using fullbacks, using extra tight ends to help the offensive line out and provide protection and take away really all of the decision-making from Russ. It's a one read and go or else use his legs and it's helped the offense eliminate turnovers the defense has then been able to be on the field less and they've been more effective in forcing turnovers and set up the field position they've needed 
and their kicker has come through. He's a special teams player of the month. They've won games based on effective field goal kicking and winning the turnover battle. And if they continue to do that, they're going to stay in the playoff mix. When they were 1-4, and four, there were rumblings he'd lost the locker room. What's the culture in the locker room now? Uh, totally different. And uh, I was one of those people that was legitimately asking the question because going up to the trade deadline at Halloween, we were wondering if they were going to ship out players, who they were going to ship out, and if there were any of the players that could command anything in a trade that – really wanted to be here and go through this at one and four, one and five. Did they want to put up with this with the way Sean Payton had started? And clearly the answer was yes, because they were all bought in. They were all engaged and they've all contributed in turning it around. Let's dive quickly and get your thoughts on the college football playoff. We are in the 11th hour. We've got Georgia's a short favorite over Alabama, Michigan, 23 points over Iowa. Of course, Florida State, a very short favorite, one and a half over Louisville, and then Texas, a double-digit favorite over Oklahoma State. It feels like there will be one upset Saturday. Which, in your view, would be the most likely where that upset would come from? Uh, I think everyone's pointing at Florida State, right, potentially being upset if their second quarterback can't play with concussion protocol and they're down to a third-string freshman. I I think everybody is looking there, and I think everybody is kind of uh, secretly maybe hoping that if they're fans of the Blue Blood programs and and they want the big boys in there, they want to make it a little bit easier on the committee's decision. But that seems to me easily the most likely upset scenario, um, unless, of course, you you want to – throw your chips in with Nick Saban playing in the SEC championship in in Atlanta where he doesn't lose those games. That's fair, but he doesn't have Tua, Bryce Young, or Jalen Hurts this time. Last question. Let's have a little fun. Uh, Let's assume Florida State does get beat tomorrow just for purposes of this conversation. But Bama, Texas, and Michigan all win. Michigan's in. They're undefeated. So there's two of the four. Bama will have beaten Georgia – they would be the SEC champ. Yeah, I think you'd have to put them in as a one-loss SEC champ. But Texas would be the Big 12 one-loss champ, and they've beaten Bama. However, Georgia, the two-time defending champ, which would just be their only loss. I know it's not a lifetime achievement award. Who gets left out? Who's your final four? If Bama beats Georgia, Texas beats uh, Oklahoma State, but Florida State loses. Well, Bernie, someone must have gotten to you and told you about this whole system being the bane of my existence because <laughs> me too. <laughs> year, year after year after year, I have these conversations of of what should happen, right? But then what will happen? And obviously, what should happen is the games played on the field should count for something. So Texas should get a nod in that scenario. But what will happen in that scenario? is Alabama and Georgia will be the third and fourth teams. I I think you're right. I think your instincts are probably spot on. We'll have to see what happens on the field. My humble opinion, I don't think Bama's beaten Georgia. But, hey, Chad, as always, we greatly appreciate uh, your stuff, and uh, we want to wish you and your family happy holidays. Thanks, buddy. Cheering for those Rebels tomorrow. Go get that MWC title. Yeah, they are a three-point underdog here at Legion against Boise State. Thanks so much again, Chad. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, Bernie. That is Chad Andrus, 104.3, the fan in Denver. Uh, I really appreciate his ability to break things down 
in uh, bite-sized pieces. Tonight's show brought to you by Discover. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Coming up, we dive into it. It's the 11th hour, the college football made-for-TV invitational tournament. But first, let's go to our guy, Kevin Figures with the latest. Well, we have one entry into that college invitational tournament that was locked up on Friday night there, Bernie. Washington outlasting number five Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. 34-31, to the final score. Dylan Johnson rushing for 152 yards and two scores for the Huskies. He also had a touchdown pass there. Liberty also finished the season with an undefeated record at 13-0. and They would beat New Mexico State to win the Conference USA championship. The final there, 49-35. to In the NBA, the Nuggets won their fourth in a row, a 119-111 to win over Phoenix. Nikola Jokic, 21 points and 16 assists. Memphis defeated Dallas 108-94. to It was the Pelicans 121 and the Spurs 106. San Antonio's lost 14 games in a row. Wins for the Knicks, Celtics, and Magic who have won nine straight. In college basketball, Northwestern beat top-ranked Purdue in overtime 92-88. to Kansas beat UConn in a top-five matchup 69-65. to Back to Bernie Fredo. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, here we go. Noon Eastern on Sunday. The uh, playoff committee, I'll call them that for now out of respect. They'll announce the four teams that are going to be playing for the national championship. And to a degree, it's anybody's guess who all four will be. Obviously, Washington is in. I'd be shocked beyond shocked if Iowa beat Michigan. If Michigan loses, they're out. They're not getting in. But let's just assume Michigan is in alongside Washington. When we woke up this morning, to recap briefly, there were eight teams with no losses or one loss that actually had a realistic chance of making the Final Four because the committee ranked Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, Oregon, fifth, Ohio State, Texas, and Bama. You're top eight. It's not inconceivable, other than Oregon now who's done, that any any of these could potentially get in of the eight. Ohio State's the only one not playing in a conference championship game this weekend. They would need a bunch of upsets if they hope to sneak into the field. Georgia, Michigan, Washington locks to get in if they win their conference titles. Washington is in. But it's not a guarantee Georgia will win. It wasn't a guarantee all three would win heading into today. So I think when Washington won, it spooked a lot of teams. But Michigan's a three-touchdown favorite in the Big Ten game against Iowa. Georgia's favored by about five and a half against Bama. And you already know what happened, Washington and Oregon. The last undefeated team is Florida State. They're favored by one and a half against Louisville. But even if the Seminoles win, they're hardly assured of getting into the playoff if they win, even if they win. Now, this is where the the chaos becomes, because one or more losses by the teams in the top four, that would create some serious chaos. But things start to get really wacky, really wacky, if the committee decides to stiff Florida State. I think it would be a real gut punch if you're 13-0 and you're undefeated and you're a conference champion. But their quarterback is hurt. And now their backup quarterback's in concussion protocol, one I understand, I think. Not sure if he's going to play Saturday. And again, in the bylaws... The college football playoff bylaws, the committee reserves the right to omit a team if, quote, there are material changes to the composition of the roster. So 
I don't know that Florida State's a great team anyway, although they deserve to be where they're at in terms of the rankings, fourth, based on what they've done. So what do you do? Best team, most deserving. The committee said they want to put the best four teams in. You're telling me Florida State with their second or third string quarterbacks better than Georgia, even if they lose, better than Bama, better than Michigan, Washington, better than Texas? How the committee views Florida State This is going to be one of the most interesting and curious parts of this entire equation. Now, Florida State loses to Louisville in the ACC title game. That makes the decision a lot easier. But I don't think you could rule out, I'm not predicting it, but I don't think you could rule out that the committee would decide to omit a 13-0 Florida State team from the playoff. That's because, let's just face it, They relied heavily on their superstar quarterback, Jordan Travis. And when he got hurt in their, uh, it was against North Alabama of all teams, back on November 18th, a serious leg injury, you can go right on the committee website and it says, quote, it will consider factors such as unavailability of key players and coaches that may have affected a team's performance during the season or likely will affect its postseason performance. That's not too hard to interpret. In other words, if the committee believes that Florida State was one of the best teams in the country with Jordan Travis under center, but they reserve the right to drop Florida State in the rankings if they believe they aren't as formidable, formidable excuse me, with Tate Rodemaker running the offense, or even if he can't run the offense, who knows? I don't know what the extent of his injury is. That really puts Florida State in a difficult position Saturday night. So winning the game really might not be enough to secure a playoff spot. It would cause, I think it would cause massive outrage, but I don't think it's an impossibility that Florida State is left on the outside looking in, even if they win. Now, this, I believe, and thank God, this is the last year of this goofy four-team format. I've never liked it. Never. I'll take it because it's all we have. Because even though the committee, with respect to their own bylaws, and if you go to a bar and line up 20 folks who've been hooked up to a bunder since noon but they have sports opinions, you're going to ask them, who's who's better, an undefeated Florida State team or a one-loss Georgia? One-loss Alabama or Florida State? One-loss Texas or Florida State? I don't know how many people are going to say Florida State. But if you leave them out and they're undefeated, this will create a level of controversy that no committee has ever come close to taking on. How can Florida State maybe circumvent that from happening? By kicking the crap out of Louisville, which I don't expect them to do. Now, remember, we had a similar situation back in 2014. There were same discussions with Ohio State where they were down to Cardell Jones as their third-string quarterback. And then they went out and beat Wisconsin, a very good Wisconsin team, 59 to nothing on a Saturday night. And said, oh, yeah, I think we can hang with you guys for a while. Then they, they, they proceeded to go to the play. This was before the 14 playoff. Or maybe, well, I don't remember. I, I, I'm lost. All I know is they beat the crap out of Oregon, a very good Oregon team in, in, in the playoffs. This is Urban Meyer's championship team after at Ohio State. So Florida State wants to to – to really strengthen their case, they got to beat the Cardinals. They got to beat uh, the Louisville Cardinals by a ton. I'm talking 20 points or more. And I don't know, that's not going to be so easy. I think you're going to see Louisville. They got an above average defense, 
and they'll pull out all the stops. they got plenty of trick plays in their arsenal. Now, part of the reason Florida State's in such a precarious position is, again, as I just said, there are plenty of one-loss teams with very strong resumes. The biggest challenge for this committee is going to be choosing which one of the one-loss teams should earn a spot in the field. In the event, one or more of the current top four lose this weekend, which you've already had. Well, we haven't had that happen. Excuse me. Washington uh, was third. Oregon Oregon was fifth. They would have been a shoe-in if they would have beaten Washington. The more difficult question, I know I'm repeating myself, is what do you do with a one-loss Texas or a one-loss Alabama? That would have meant a one-loss Alabama would have won the SEC and been the SEC champ as a one-loss team. Texas would have been a one-loss Big 12 champion, and they've even beaten Alabama in Alabama earlier in the year. Coming up, we continue with the college football playoff debacle. Who controls your own destiny? We'll discuss. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. We are in December. It's a Fox Sports Radio tradition. Yes, Christmas bumper music. And on the Bernie Fratto Show, only Motown High Energy Christmas bumper music. All right, who holds their own destiny in this made-for-TV invitational tournament? Thanks to Michigan beating Ohio State. And uh, 
Alabama advancing. Uh, winning in, well, Georgia, if they beat Alabama, they are in. No one can dispute that. They hold their own destiny. It's presumed Alabama's in if they win at one loss. I don't think you leave out a one-loss SEC champion, do you? Uh, Michigan, they're in if they beat Iowa. Washington has already beaten Oregon, but I actually believe Oregon would have been in had they beaten Washington. They would have jumped. They'd have gone from five probably to three and taken taken Washington's spot. Now, some are going to argue Florida State should be discredited for being a less imposing contender if they don't have Jordan Travis. But there are also plenty of people that say, man, you just can't do that. If they beat Louisville, who's a 2-10 and team, and they're going to pose a good challenge, mark my words, that's going to be a really good football game. Then they'd be 13-0. Folks feel Florida State deserves to be in. So maybe it's blah, blah, blah. Georgia wins, Michigan wins, Washington's already run one, and Florida State wins. You'd have four undefeated teams. I don't think the committee tempts fate. I just think they, they go with it. Most likely. I, I, who knows what the hell they're going to do. Um, but this has never happened. There's never been a four-team you know, final, the final four, and they were all undefeated. Never happened. Who could use help? Well, Texas. They're 11-1. and one, And uh, I, I don't know. I, I talk to a lot of people who disagree with me, but I grab when it got to 15 points. Texas is laying 15 points against Oklahoma State. It opened up at 11, 11 and a half. I like Mike Gundy in a underdog role like this. And people saw how they stunk it up against BYU for a half last week, but this is what Oklahoma State does. They play down to the competition and they play up to the competition. I think they're going to give Texas a battle. That's going to be a fist fight. I really, I genuinely believe that. We shall see. But I I don't know that Oklahoma State wins outright. So if Texas gets a W, but they have to fight for it, they beat a 9-3 and Oklahoma State team, um, Texas could move up. I See, I think Texas, Texas beat Alabama in Alabama, which I consider to be the best win of any school this year. Sure as hell not Michigan at Penn State, not Ohio State at Notre Dame, even not uh, Oregon at Washington. Or check that, they didn't win at Washington. So you get my drift. Who else needs chaos? Well, Alabama, they're 11-1. Yes, they could apply a ton of their own chaos by beating Georgia, but see, here's what you don't know. Would that be enough to jump Texas? If Texas is 11-1 and and Bama's 11-1, and yeah, they're both conference champions, but Texas beat Bama in Tuscaloosa. That doesn't happen. Texas did it. Texas also has, I think, maybe the best front seven in, in college football. And I suppose, I hate, to, I hate to say this, I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, I guess you can't entirely, completely eliminate the Buckeyes. They're idle Saturday. But, you know, and by, and, you know, they lost at Michigan Saturday. They turned the ball over twice, missed the field goal, but they actually outgained Michigan and Ann Arbor, right? So what would happen if Michigan lost and Georgia lost and Florida State lost and Texas lost? 
that's a lot of losing, right? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on it. I, I just, yeah, I think Ohio State would be looking to other, other bowl games. Coming up at the top of the hour, uh, we're going to start to dive into some of these matchups and give you what my thoughts are. Uh, but one of the things that that I think that I might find interesting is that there might only not only be drama on the field, uh, but there could be drama on the field after the game. What do I mean by that? Let's say Michigan beats Iowa Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, it's highly likely that the commissioner of the Big Ten, Tony Batiti, will be on the stage handing the trophy to a guy by the name of Jim Harbaugh, who he controversially suspended for the final three games of the regular season, irrespective of whether Harbaugh deserved it or not. He saw how Michigan fans lost their mind. So would would that be two peas in a pod? Petiti would have to exchange pleasantries also with Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel, who fired off a student protest statement when the punishment was handed down. Believe me, if that happens... I will want to watch that live. I don't think any single human being in the sport will be booed as hard as Petiti by the Michigan fans Saturday night if the Wolverines win and he has to hand the trophy over to Jim Harbaugh and or Ward Manuel. And make no mistake, I think Michigan, I really think Michigan's going to win. And just in case Iowa wins, I just, they've, I'll give them a 5% chance, and that might be high. You're still not going to see a whole hell of a lot of podium hugs between Iowa's AD, Beth Getz, and the Ferentz family. Why? Well, Getz forced Kurt Ferentz, forced him to fire his son and his ineffective coordinator, I guess, Brian, in late October, but allowed him to finish coaching the season. In response to that pink slip and a kind of a weird goodbye, uh, Brian Ferentz... You probably don't watch a lot of Iowa games, and I don't really blame you. He's coaching on the sidelines. He stopped wearing Iowa gear during the games. As somehow, if that's some sort of personal protest, as he continues to oversee the worst offense in the country. Do you know that the over-under on Iowa's point total Saturday is 7.5? It's 2.5 in the first half which kills the safety. So they could get a safety, but you, but you wouldn't go over, right? Now, I understand that the, the athletic director gets could be well within her rights to tell Brian Ferentz, we don't need your services anymore after this year. And, uh, but I'll let you stay the rest of the year, but you know, <laughs> that can't be without some consequences. This feels to me, honestly, like a 28 to nothing game. Uh, I don't, you know, Michigan beat them two years ago, 42-3, to but that was a much better Michigan offense. And the Iowa defense isn't bad. So, anyway, there's your Jim Harbaugh Theater, your Tony Petiti, Ward Manuel, Beth Getz, Brian Ferentz. Yep, there could be drama on the field after the game, not just during the game. Coming up, let's dive into some of these matchups a little more fervently, and we'll bring in the crew as well. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here 
in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, I do believe the committee will breathe a major sigh of relief if Louisville beats Florida State, as will a couple of other teams vying to get in. So we'll start there, and I'll bring in the crew in a second. Let me set this up. Louisville's 10-2. They very much thrived in their very first season after uh, under their new coach, Jeff Brom. Uh, Brom, as you recall, led Purdue to the Big Ten title game last year, and believe it or not, they actually outgained Michigan. They got the stuffing kicked out of them, but they got there. And now he's done the same. Brom's done the same in his first season at Louisville, which coincidentally is his alma mater. Louisville started out 6-0, and they beat Notre Dame. Then they dropped an ugly one on the road to Pitt. From there, uh, they won their next four. They clinched a spot in the ACC title game. They beat Miami in, a, in, a, in an impressive road win. And uh, they were already in to, to be a, a, an ACC in the ACC championship game until you know, and then they lost to Kentucky last week, which I think took some bloom off the rose and caused people to look at them a little differently. So they have two losses, Pitt and Kentucky. Florida State, meanwhile, they've had an incredible season. They had a very high-profile win week one over LSU. They continued to mull through ACC play. They didn't blow everybody out. But things changed the week weekend before Thanksgiving when Jordan Travis, their star quarterback, he suffers a season in the injury against North Alabama of all teams. Florida did complete its undefeated regular season. I consider it to be a very impressive win to go down to Florida and win in the swamp with Tate Rodemaker at quarterback. But clearly, the ceiling of this team, the dynamic nature of this team, is much different with Jordan Travis on the sideline. What do I, how do I see this game? All right, I'm going to call it. I, I, think, I think we're looking at a, 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 a I'm going to call it 31-28 Louisville. I really believe Jeff Brom, he loves a good upset opportunity. He knows that Florida State's vulnerable. The Cardinals' defense has not been great in recent weeks. In their last three games, they're giving up six yards of play. But I think you're going to see a different, focused Louisville team. And Jeff Brom's an excellent coach in these situations. We will see if Tate Rodemaker can effectively move the Florida State offense. And that assumes he plays. I understand their third-string quarterback is a true freshman who's only thrown a couple passes all year. But here's the kicker. If the Louisville offense can take care of the ball and not turn it over, they're going to move the ball. The Cardinals are 10-0 when they don't turn it over, or actually when they turn it over less than twice a game. And 0-2, they only, by the way, and they're both their losses, they turn the ball over three times. Now, if this happens, a massive sigh of relief you know, spreads across college football. I know that sounds horrible, but the truth of the matter is, is there is going to be controversy either way. If is the committee really letting in the four best teams or the four most deserving? And you heard me read the the disclaimers earlier about if key players aren't available or the composition of the roster changes materially. Well, I'd have to say it does. Kevin Figures, who do you like in this game? What are your thoughts about? perhaps Florida State getting upset and or if they win, do you put them in regardless? 
Well, I'll handle the back end of that first. If they win, I'll put them in. You can't have an undefeated Power 5 conference champion not make it to the playoff. I understand you know, the idea of, look, if you are they the worst of all the teams who are involved in this matchup? Absolutely. I get it. They wouldn't be the most compelling, but based on how the rules are set up, you can't justify leaving out a Power 5 conference champion out of the playoff. So that, that addresses that. Now, do I think they'll win? I don't. And I think a big reason why, whether Rodemaker plays or not, if he doesn't play, I absolutely love Louisville. But even if he does, you know, the biggest weakness for Louisville is their secondary, being able to pick them apart. And one of the biggest strengths for Florida State throughout the season has been their passing attack with two studs at wide receiver. But if you have inexperience at the quarterback position, you know, are you really going to trust one of these guys to drop back and throw the ball 33, 34 times against Louisville? I'm not so sure. And, you know, people talk, you know, you talk about the loss to Pitt, you know, earlier in the year and that being a bit of a blemish. I think a team like Louisville that did didn't really have a lot of expectation coming into the season, were victimized by that being a trap game. They had a big victory against Notre Dame the week before, and they had a Duke team come in, and they beat the beat the brakes off of them that next week, and Duke at the time I think was raked in the top 15, so I think they were kind of looking ahead to that next matchup. I think it's a, it's a solid Louisville offense. Jawar Jordan's one of the more underrated running backs in the entire conference, maybe even the country. And I think they can get that running game going. And to your point, if Plummer doesn't turn the ball over, you know Louisville has a great chance to win the game, and I think they will. Well, they have. That's been their M.O. this year. They're 10-0 when they turn the ball over less than twice in both their losses. They turn it over three times. Uh, but before I go to Shea, I want to uh, piggyback on a point you've made because they've never left an undefeated conference champion out. But do we have extenuating circumstances here? Because as difficult as it sounds and as as much of a gut punch as it could be, if it ends up being Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida State with their second or third string quarterback, they're going to be a double-digit underdog. And I I think the committee's trying to avoid that. Would, Would Florida State in their current condition really beat Texas or Alabama? No, absolutely not. So irrespective of how painful it might be, do you take the committee at their word? That they that that their that their charter is to put the four best teams in. Yeah, it's supposed to be. It's the and see. Here's the thing: there's two different questions at play here because there's the the team that offers the best opportunity for a quality matchup and a chance to win versus the most deserving. So is it? Do you want to put in a team that has a, a greater chance of being successful, whether that's a Georgia or Alabama, depending on who wins the you know the SEC, uh, you know Ohio State if they're a factor in this in this mix or Texas versus a team like Florida State? You would say based on just record and merit, which is really the only differentiating factor, and you're undefeated. You know it will be the most deserving because they haven't lost a game. So that's really a really tough metric. So look, I would certainly understand. Uh, the justification for leaving Florida State out because you would say, what well, having a backup quarterback, whether it's Rodemaker or the third stringer, they just don't have a legitimate shot at beating the top seed. I certainly understand that. It's just very difficult to justify having an undefeated team not making it into the playoff. That's, it's, that's difficult. Just really difficult. It, it, it's difficult, but you, 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 in a sense, gave the, rational, the rationalization because without Jordan Travis – they don't have a chance. I don't think they have a chance against any of the other top three teams. But let's set that aside for now because Florida State still has to win. Uh, Shay, what are your thoughts on this dilemma? No, I, Flo- Go ahead. I primarily agree with you guys. No, definitely. Like Because they're number one quarterback, who I think still is in the running for the Heisman, which is crazy to me. Like Without him, I really don't think they can even get in. I mean, yeah, they should be in the college playoff, but I don't think that they should. Like the twelve and zero, it it looks amazing, but 
He's the main reason I feel like they are where they are. I mean, their rush D is like Oh, my like God, even, yes. Yeah, I don't even think they're like rush defense is top 40. I think they're like 45 or something like that. I was just looking at it the other day. Because when he was just saying, um, Juwan Jordan, I think he's number two in the ACC with rushing yards or something. Or I think he's just number two in, in the ACC just rushing all overall. So... With Louisville coming in, I I really don't think they're going to win. Like I think Florida State's going to lose this game, especially because I'm pretty sure Louisville outscores their opponents in the first quarter, like 91 to like 14 or something like like something absurd like that. And if they come out strong and Jawar Jordan's able to keep going, I really think Louisville's going to lose. And I think it's not going to be a, a very fair game either. I think. I mean, Louisville's going to win. I don't. I, I really don't think Florida State really will come out too hard. I mean, last week also against their rival, they weren't doing too hot either. So just looking at all that and then also on top of it with Jordan Travis just completely gone, I really don't think they'll be able to come out with a win. I do give them credit for what they did last week in the Swamp in Florida. Florida's not a great team, but that's still an extremely difficult place to play, and, and they did enough to win. The question is, now that Rodemaker's on film, and he would have been the heir apparent next year anyway. What is what is uh, Jeff Brom do with that? Brom's very creative. All right, let's flip to Oklahoma State, Texas, because obviously Texas's fortunes hang in the balance as well. They're headed to the SEC next year. They're looking to win their first Big 12 for the first time since 2009. Uh, the, I, I think the Longhorn season, their signature win, was the huge road win at Alabama Week 2. And then they overcame their loss to Oklahoma to reach the conference title game. They're eleven and one. They can't. Texas can't have a second loss. And I think uh, you know they they survived Quinn Ewers being hurt. They're three and zero since his return. They put up fifty seven last week against Texas Tech. They seem to be at the top of their game. But I think Mike Gundy is very sneaky. I think he's beaten Texas like ten of the last eleven times. And even though they started out two and two, and they got beat at home to South Alabama, thirty-three to seven, they lost at home to, to I think Central Florida. They're not great at quarterback with Alan Bowman, but you are seeing the emergence of maybe the best running back in the country, Ollie Gordon, who only got like nineteen carries his first three weeks, but he now leads the nation, twenty touchdowns, sixteen hundred yards. Oklahoma State is really dangerous. In this situation, I really believe that um, it, it's one—it's one of those one-off games where, if Texas isn't careful, they could find themselves in a fist fight in the phone booth in the fourth quarter. Do I think Texas prevails? Yes, I think they probably prevail by seven to ten points. But I'm not going to rule out—I'm not going to rule out that Texas could get beat here. I don't give them a great chance, Oklahoma State. But I grabbed the 15 points. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. To me, there's real value there getting north of, giving Mike Gundy north of two touchdowns uh, on a neutral field. But let's go back to the earlier discussion. For purposes of this, let's assume Texas wins. You've got a one-loss Big 12 champion. We've already agreed. Well, we didn't agree that Florida State would win. But if Florida State wins... Bama or Georgia when it doesn't matter. I think Michigan and Washington will be in. What the hell do you do with Texas, Kevin? Well, look, I mean, if, if everything that you just mentioned holds, I don't think Texas makes the cut. Now, the only the interesting thing is if Alabama finds a way to beat Georgia, this is where the Alabama-Texas discussion comes in and where uh, Nick Saban was lobbying for an SEC team to make the cut and say there's no way you can leave the SEC out. And it's, well, look, if Alabama wins the SEC – but Texas beat Alabama at their home field earlier this season. 
you know the you know the the biggest metric the 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 most objective metric that we have is head to head and that's what we have at this point in time i would think so it should be i would hope Bernie. so i mean it should be so here's the deal so texas had would have beaten alabama i don't know how you leave them out you got two one loss conference champions but then you got a situation where people are going to scream that georgia should be in there as well so if it comes down to texas and or alabama who do you take, Texas or Alabama? Oh, I take Texas. I don't have to think twice about it. The one objectifiable metric that we have is that Texas defeated Alabama, and the extra point or extra feather in their cap is they did it in Tuscaloosa. There were no major injuries. Every single key principal player that's playing now was playing then, which is, I know, something that the committee takes into account if players are injured, and they weren't. Nick Saban trying to say, like, well, we're playing better towards the end of the season. Great, you are, and congratulations. But you have the same record as Texas. Texas beat you head-to-head on your home field. Done. Over. No discussion to be so, had. So I'm not, I'm not disavowing your rationale. But you want to see a poop storm? Because you're not wrong. With, with you, you lay your case out with deductive reasoning. In that case, you'd have to leave Georgia out. And can you imagine the fury oh, with yeah. no SEC teams oh, yeah. in the Final Four with a one-loss Georgia and a one-loss Bama, but perhaps a Florida State sneaks in, and then you got Texas, Michigan, and Washington. Can you imagine? Hold that thought. Shay, your thoughts on a one-loss Texas versus a one-loss Alabama. No, I'd, I'd have to agree with Kevin here. I mean, it's it's all about the head-to-head, and especially when Alabama's home, like, come on, they had no injuries. It's It has to be Texas if you're looking at it from a logical point of view. If you're looking at it from just, I mean, I don't know, if, if, if you just want an SEC team to be in there, I feel like, yeah. yeah that's why I call it the made-for-TV invitational tournament. Exactly. Because they're going to put who the hell they want in there. But I think it's too close. I think especially because people are looking at the college playoff more than they ever have, especially because, I mean, Pac-12, I've, I've never seen more Pac-12 fans so closely look at the college playoff. So it's almost as if if they do do that, I feel like they'd get more hate than they would if they were to put Alabama in just to put an SEC in. So to be honest, I think they're going to do the smart thing. Hopefully, if this was to happen and this scenario happens, Texas is 100% going to be in it, in my opinion. But you you never know. It's, I mean, Hollywood, come on. (laughs) It is Hollywood. I agree with you. And so we'll save this for a little bit later because coming back, we're going to talk about Alabama, Georgia. But then what it ultimately leads to is the inevitable uh, qualitative discussion is what do you think will happen versus what should happen based on head-to-head, based on conference championships, based on undefeated teams. What do you think they'll end up doing versus what we think should happen based on our own moral compass? I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, 
sweats, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with five good things. A new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co lead in the six part limited series Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learned something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hi, we're back on the Bernie Frattle Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio, taking you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. Tonight's show is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Before I give my analysis of the game, let's do it backwards this time. Kevin, who wins tomorrow, Georgia or Alabama? I think Georgia wins. As well as Jalen Milrow is playing, I think this Georgia defense is uh, is something special, and uh, they've kind of hit their stride the last month, month and a half or so. I know they still get off, get off to slow starts, uh, but neither here nor there. Carson Beck, I think, is playing a lot better and doesn't get a lot of love just because you know Georgia gets talked about about their defense and Kirby Smart and all that, but he's playing a lot better. So I actually like Georgia to win this one. I think the spread is five. I think I five like and a half. Yeah, yeah, I think I like Georgia by about a touchdown. Fair, Shay. Georgia or Alabama? So, yeah, Georgia's never won in this scenario, but I think they beat the odds and and they do it. I really think it's, this is Georgia's year to, to get that, that thing off their back, and uh, I think they'll win. Um, Kevin basically took it out of my mouth. But, no, yeah, I mean, I still find, I like, when someone told me that stat that Georgia never won, like, at their at their house and then also in the scenario they're in, I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way, especially with the uh, history that these two teams have. But when I looked into it, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is real. But, no, I think I think Georgia comes out and they, they finally break the curse. <laughs> yeah, Bama, look, they don't, they don't have Tua. They don't have Jalen Hurts. They don't have Bryce Young. I think uh, Jalen Milrow has progressed. He's been more than serviceable. He's made plenty of big plays. Bama's heavily going to rely on their defense. Georgia will rely on their offense. Bama's defense is very good. Georgia's defense is slightly down. These are in relative terms, but their offense is very good. Bama's offense is athletic, but they're not like they've been in the past. But Bama has won 10 consecutive games since they lost to Texas at home back in Week 2. They've had a few close calls especially last week against Auburn. And uh, as someone who's been around Nick Saban, he's concerned. 
He said going off the field, he says, you know what? Uh, yeah, we practiced that play, but we didn't play well today. And somehow we escaped with a win. And sometimes when that happens, the chickens come home to roost the following week. You saw what happened versus Auburn in the Iron Bowl. And that game-winning touchdown pass on fourth and goal from the 31-yard line after the muffed punt, after Jalen Milrow ran across the line of scrimmage and came back like it was some video game. You know, he's done that four times this year. But, look, Alabama deserves to be where they are. You don't just fall out of bed and end up in the SEC championship game. Meanwhile, Georgia, the record speaks for themselves. They've won 29 consecutive games. They wrapped up their third consecutive 12-0 season. They hammered Georgia Tech Saturday. The Bulldogs haven't lost since falling to Alabama in the SEC title game in 2021. All nothing. They went on to win the national championship that year. Okay? They went on to win the national championship over Alabama. And another national title last year. So Georgia's trying to make it three in a row and trying to win 30 in a row, make 30 consecutive victories on the way to another playoff. So, look, the SEC has led, typically leads all the college football and soap opera drama and it, for, for, for a long time. But it, top to bottom, it's the best conference in the, in, the, in the country. I think the Pac-12 is second, the Big 12 and the Big 10 fourth. That's just the way I see it. Sometimes, you know, it... it you're not going to see the kind of drama in this game like I talked about with Iowa and Michigan and, and some of the Michigans that's going on there. Where you will see drama is if Alabama upsets Georgia and either one of them is left out. If Bama's left out and or Georgia's left out, of course the SEC could end up with two people, player, two uh, teams in the playoff. If Alabama upsets Georgia and things break right elsewhere, right? Like Texas losing, Florida State losing, you get the drift. See what happens. I know Greg Sankey's going to lobby anyway, but look, the SEC has won five of the last six champions championships. Uh, I'm with Kevin. I think it's a 28-21 Georgia-type game. This has a lot of the same elements of the 2021 SEC title meeting, but the Tide, they're kind of wobbling in. They're kind of limping into this game. They had a, a near-death experience against Auburn last week, a decidedly underdog Auburn team, Hugh Freeze, in his first year. Somehow their quarterback, you know, they decided to rush two, drop drop nine. What a disaster to lose a game that way. That, that had to just kill those people. And, you know, I've talked about that I believe the Ohio State-Michigan is the greatest rivalry in all of sports, how it started as a land war. Well, I'm telling you, the Iron Bowl's crazier than, than life or death as well. But the reason Georgia got shocked a couple years ago is because there was an all-world performance by Bryce Young. I don't think history is going to repeat itself. With all due respect, Jalen Milrow is not Bryce Young. Jalen Milrow would not win the Heisman Trophy, even though he has absolutely been clutch when he's needed to be. And Georgia 23 is not as good as Georgia 21, but Alabama 23 is not as good as Alabama 21. If you followed all that, it seems like we end up with a Georgia victory. We're not going to waste our time on Iowa-Michigan, guys. Coming back after Kevin's update, I want to get your guys' predictions, not on what you think should happen, but what the committee is going to do, what you think the committee is going to do. First, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. I will say, Bernie, I think I might take the under on the uh, total points scored in the first half for Iowa, which I think is set at a half point. 
So I think I might go for that. At least, at least as of Friday morning, that's what it's it was. It's actually two and a half. Oh, look at that. Because, because they, they could get a safety, right? That's not they a little bit. So then you would, you would need more than a safety. You could get two points and still go under. Go ahead. Ooh. That's a tough one. Yep. Uh, we'll start with the Pac-12 championship on Friday night. Washington headed to the college football playoff. We know that for sure. They pick up a 34-31 victory over Oregon, completing the undefeated campaign at 13-0. Michael Penix winning the game MVP honors, 319 yards passing and a touchdown. How about 484 total yards for Liberty quarterback Caden Salter? 49-35 was the final as they beat New Mexico State in the Conference USA championship game. Liberty also finishing the season 13-0. As Bernie mentioned, Big Ten title game will be tonight at 8 Eastern on Fox as Michigan will take on the Iowa Hawkeyes. In the NBA Friday night, Denver over Phoenix, 119-111, to behind 21 points and 16 assists from Nikola Jokic. 76ers lose to the Celtics, 125-119. to Sixers did not have Joel Embiid or Tyrese Maxey in that one. New Orleans handing the Spurs their 14th consecutive loss, 121-106 to the final there. In college basketball, Northwestern an upset victory over number one ranked Purdue in overtime. Kansas a 69-65 to victory over UConn. Back to Bernie Fratto. All right, guys. Uh, first, I want to remind everybody tonight's show is brought to you by Discover at the end of your first year. Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. Seriously, see terms. Check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. All right, Shay, we'll start with you this time. Set your opinion aside. Set your rationale aside. Who does the committee select as the final four when we wake up Sunday morning on the West Coast at 9 a.m. and watch the made-for-TV invitational tournament? So we know Michigan. In and Washington, I think those two are for sure in. Just because I'm assuming Michigan wins. Yeah, I agree. No, no argument. Um, Georgia. That's. I feel like that's even if with a loss to Alabama, I I think they have a chance. So Georgia. Um. Then I would probably. Th- this is where it kind of gets tough because then you got Texas, Alabama, Florida State. <sighs> I think Florida. St- I don't think Florida State's going to win. So I don't well, think if Alabama loses, they're not going to put a two-loss team in. So yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, right so they're so they're off. Okay, but, so but you again, were assuming Texas is going to win. Yeah, I'm assuming Texas is going to win. So they're Texas, a double-digit favorite, right? Yeah. So Texas is in. So that's that's four teams right there, and then all that would leave is the Florida State Louisville game, and I think. <laughs> Louisville is going to win that game, and I really don't think Florida State would get in. So at that point, it would be Ohio State. So I believe. You think the committee is going to take Ohio State? <sighs> All right, let's come back to you in a second, Kevin. Uh, who is the committee going to put in? So I, so I believe Georgia beats Alabama. So Bama's out. Washington, we know, is already in. Michigan's going to beat Iowa. They're in. Uh, so at that point in time, and I also believe that Florida State is going to lose to Louisville like we talked about earlier. So for me, that slots Texas in at number four. So I have Georgia, Washington, Michigan, and Texas. I actually think we're in agreement. Let's give Shea. Uh, so, George, Shea, you, you've got Georgia, Michigan, Washington, right? Who's your fourth? Not not who's your fourth. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think? Uh, it would have to be Texas at that point. Okay. And, and, and your rationale, you, you're at, not, I guess. It's not my rationale. It's more of their rationale. No, you're, you're, no, 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 your rationale for having that opinion on that's what the committee will do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's basically what uh, it. 
I can't even think like the committee because I never agree with the committee, to be honest. And it's yeah, but you've seen their patterns over the years. Definitely. That's why I say Ohio State, because it's such like a I don't know. It's just such a move like the committee would do. I don't know. It's like but with a Texas win, like you would have to put them in there. Like there is no like you just would have to like there's there's no other rationale to it, to be honest. It's like if with the way we've gone Michigan in there, Washington with Florida out and then with Georgia in there and with Alabama being a two loss team. It really would not make sense for any of these other teams to get in, especially Oregon with two losses. Uh, yeah, it, it would have to be it would have to be Texas. Well, I think it's going to be Texas also. I think it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Texas in that order. I actually think that the committee will swallow hard, and they will omit Florida State in much the same way they omitted TCU back in 2014. Mm. And they put in a one-loss Ohio State team, even though that one-loss Ohio State team had got beaten by two touchdowns against unranked Virginia Tech. TCU, yes, they had one loss that year, but they it was three points. They lost by three at Baylor. So, again, why do I think the committee will do that? They're going to take heat no matter what they do. They took all kinds of heat from Nick Saban last year because he thought he should have been in, even though two lost teams never get in. So you've got your obligatory SEC team in Georgia, which deserves to be there. Michigan, they will have run the table. They're your undefeated Big Ten champ, certainly deserve to be there. And then Washington, your undefeated Pac-12 champ, who, who beat Oregon twice. And Oregon's a team I think could, could beat Michigan. So there's your top three. That's not debatable. Bama will have had their second loss. Texas will be a conference champion, albeit a one-loss conference champion, but they will have beaten Alabama in Alabama. What's Florida State's best victory? I'd have to say early on in the year against LSU, but I talked to people in Vegas. They would have played LSU last week. They would have been an underdog. So I actually think it's going to be, what the committee's all said and done, it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Texas. And I don't think anybody can disagree that those are the four best teams. Kevin, you put Texas and Florida State on a neutral field. Who's the better team right now? Texas, easily. Wouldn't that, and honestly, even if Jordan Travis were healthy, I still might take Texas. So would I. So would I. Well, Lachey, let's hear your let's hear your thoughts. That we got to deal with the here and now. Florida State does not have Jordan. Travis, and by the way, the twelve-team playoff can't get here fast enough. <laughs> no They'd all be in next year. This was so, the year to do it. My God! Oh my goodness! So, uh, Shay, let's go back to you. Uh, I I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is, no. is your fourth team Texas? Meaning you're it's, projecting? Yeah, no, you, yeah. The the fourth team. I mean, I just I don't know. I feel like they'll slip Ohio State in there. I don't know why, but like it, it's. I mean, one loss to Michigan. Yeah, it's horrible, but Michigan. But you're not a conference champ. Yeah, how can you to... take a non-conference champ over a conference champ who's undefeated and a one-loss conference champ? Who's I mean, also you can't a, do that. Yeah, Texas is also a blue blood. This isn't no disrespect to Baylor or TCU, but you would not take Ohio State over Texas. Texas is also a blue blood program who won a I conference. Mean, yeah, and, no, and yeah. Ohio State's best victory is maybe at Notre Dame or home against Penn State, who plays well enough against everybody else. Uh, but not you know Michigan or Ohio State. So you got I, I think Ohio State's done. Yeah, I, seriously. Well, unless Texas loses, Florida State loses, Washington already lost. 
to, they would have needed Oregon to win. Right. Even if Michigan mm-hmm. loses, Michigan beat Ohio State head to head. They wouldn't put Ohio State in over right. Michigan. Yeah, I, no, I don't think it's because of lose. Michigan. I, it, yeah. Let's say the te- this, a Texas loss happens. Then it w- and then an Alabama loss happens as well. Well, then I think you got to take Florida State. They're a conference champion and they're undefeated. Ohio State's not a conference champion. Let's say all three lose at that point. Would you put in Ohio State? Who's who's all three? Florida State and then Texas and then Alabama. Oh boy, that's that's a tough one. At that point, it would have to. Be I Ohio think you State. have to. Yeah, because there's you nobody have else to. left after that. If all three of those lose, if Texas, which is such a horrible, that's not going to happen probably. <laughs> but like, let's say if like if we're gonna we're talking like this, let's let's do this. Like, I feel like is that the only way Ohio State Ohio State gets it's in? It's the only way. Yep. It's the only way mm-hmm. because you you you've got Georgia as an undefeated conference champion. Michigan. Oh no. Uh, you saying if if Alabama was to lose, if Florida State was to lose, okay. and if Texas was to lose, okay. So our our first three are still solid: Michigan, yeah. Yeah. Washington, right, and Georgia. And, and Georgia are all conference champions who are undefeated. That leaves that fourth spot. Texas would have had their second loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan, or check that. Uh, uh, Texas. Now nah, I'm all confused. The bottom line is you're right. I think you'd have to by default, but I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I don't see no, Oklahoma me neither, State. Me neither. You've convinced so, me, though. Ohio State won't get in unless that happens. I, well, I, I'm not trying, yeah, I, I mean, again, they're, they're on the list, but they need a ton of help. Yeah, but at that you know point, what? it will come down to, Bernie, it will come down to, to one loss, uh, Florida State and one loss, Ohio State, at which point I think they would take Ohio State over Florida State. Just because of the injury? Like, you, you think yeah. if, if the QB was still there? Correct. Well, and there again, if you put Ohio State, Ohio State outgained Michigan. Their only loss is at Michigan, who's undefeated. Right. And it was currently the number two ranked team. It was by right. a touchdown, so if, right? If Florida State doesn't win there, and the I hate to say it, guys, because I, I, I think the ACC is better conference than people get credit for. But it's clearly five out of the Power Five conferences. So Easily. I think, mm-hmm. I think, we, I think we are projecting that the committee will end up with Georgia – Michigan, Washington, and Texas. And frankly, that's what I would like to see, and I think that's what we'll see, and get ready for plenty of teeth gnashing. But you know what? Coming up, let's have a little fun on what the 12-team playoff would look right now if they actually would have instituted it this year. I'm Bernie Fratto, coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, TireRack.com Studios. Keep it locked right here. Listen to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 
smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. All right, back on the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> Coming to you live from Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Have a little quick fun here. Georgia's one, Michigan's two, Washington's three, Texas is four. If there was a 12-team playoff where well, those four teams would have a bye, Georgia would play the winner of Missouri at Alabama. Remember, now next year, next year there will be championship games played on college campuses. Okay, or playoff games played on college campuses in the first round. So Georgia would would have a bye, and they'd play the winner of Missouri-Alabama. Michigan would wait at home to play the winner of Penn State-Texas. Washington ranked third. Well, they would wait at home to play the winner of Old Miss-Ohio State. And finally, your number four ranked team, Texas, they would be waiting to play tulane at Oregon. Interesting. So let's say Alabama, Oregon, Ohio State, and Texas all advanced. You'd have Texas play Michigan. You'd have Ohio State play Washington. You'd have Oregon play Texas. You'd have Bama play Georgia. Sign me up for that. It can't get here quick enough. Let's go out to the phones. Kurt, you want to talk a little college playoff football? What are your thoughts? Oh, I'd love to, Burn. Go ahead. Burn, what do you got? How I think it's going to pan out. Georgia is going to get beat by Alabama. Why? Why? Well, well, stop there. Why? You got to tell me why. Because Alabama is seven and zero against Georgia. Yeah, but they don't. They don't have an NFL quarterback under center, buddy. Do you really think Jalen Milrow can beat this team? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. And and I think it's going to be really important. That the uh, tight end from Georgia, I don't think he's Brock 100%. Powers. He's going to play. He's going to play? And it, yeah, he's well, going to play. He played last week. He, he played last week. Well, hopefully he's 100%. And their other two, like, Lad McConkey and their other two receivers were resting. Well, I, I really do think that Alabama is going to beat Georgia. That's just my opinion. Okay, fair. That's fair. And I think, I think Michigan is in, of course. Okay. And Washington has to get in because they're 13 and 0. So you got Alabama, think, Michigan and Washington. You you got to put Alabama in if they beat the number 1 team and they're the SEC champion. Fair? Yes. And I think Louisville was looking ahead to Florida State. Agree. Florida State doesn't have their starting quarterback. 
So who's your number four team? Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Alabama. Those are the four teams I think they're going to. So you would you would take four. Alabama over? Well, first of all, so you take Georgia over Texas, even though Texas beat Alabama and Texas is a conference champion, and Georgia would not be a conference champion. You would take Georgia over Texas. I would take Georgia over Texas, and I think Texas is going to have a hard time with Oklahoma State tomorrow because Oklahoma State is a very physical team. And I don't think any – the only team that I think that Texas played this year that was as physical uh, would have been Alabama earlier in the year. Good stuff, Kurt. And I will tell you this. You might not be wrong. We could see Georgia, Alabama – Washington and Michigan and I don't think there'd be some teeth gnashing but if you got two SEC teams come on you're going to see some good matchups I guess they'd make Michigan number one probably Washington number two Alabama three and Georgia four so you'd have Georgia Michigan out of the gate and Alabama Washington Kevin you'd sign up for that wouldn't you Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Kurt, Kurt may be right. I mean, look, I don't share his optimism on Alabama, but I'm not going to say he's wrong. No, that absolutely could happen. Sure. Sure. And 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 he also brings up another good point where you might take Georgia over Texas just because this is the stuff the committee does. You just, just, and, just and hard you, figure you, them out. You'd feel bad for Texas because you're taking a non-conference championship team versus a, a, a one-loss conference championship team texas and big 12 but then when you wake up on new year new year's day and you see these matchups you're not going to be pissed i mean you get over it i think it would be a bummer for the texas people but man oh man oh man i mean he he might be on to something there shay you got the last word you got about 30 seconds would you sign up for that foursome i mean yeah i yeah, I mean, yeah. If Oklahoma State gives them a hard time, gives Texas well, a hard I think, time, I, I think he's right. I, I I took the fifteen points. I, I I think I like Mike Gundy in this spot. I just do. I'm a spot player. I always have been. I think fifteen points is a bargain. And I didn't mean to talk over you there, but I think the key here is that if you got you you put them in a tumbler, you got Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and Washington. You're going to get some damn good matchups on on New Year's Day, and then two weeks later. And, you know, you might end up with Georgia and Alabama playing again. But I, you probably can't argue with that, although we did have that Alabama-LSU stinker 12 years ago, like that 9-7 nine, nine to seven game. So, anyway, guys, it's going to be fun to watch, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. Coming up, Deion Sanders, is he deserving? Keep it locked right here. Listen to the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. That's right, you heard the man. Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com. We'll help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. Tyrac.com, the way tire buying should be. Just a quick aside, this is what I'm trying to avoid. If Florida State made it in, They'd be a 14-point underdog to Georgia, 13-point underdog to Michigan, 10-point underdog to Alabama. In either Oregon or Washington, it would have been a 10-point underdog. And if Alabama somehow beats Georgia, well, I think they'd be a 14-point underdog to Alabama. All right, enough of that for now. Let the games begin. We are just eight hours away from somewhat having this decided on the field. For what it's worth, 
You may have heard of Deion Sanders, but you may have never known that he'd never won the Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year during his NFL career, which was a Hall of Fame career. One of the most dynamic forces in the league, period. Super Bowl champ, multiple. One year as the head coach of Colorado, though, Sanders receives Sports Illustrated's highest honor. They announced him as the 2023 Sportsman of the Year Thursday, becoming the first college coach in more than 10 years to win the award. Now, in terms of pure performance, Sanders, you can't say his record on the field makes him accomplished to, enough to win the award. Colorado was just 4-8. and eight. They finished last in the Pac-12, and they closed the regular season with six straight losses. Now, they blasted onto the scene. We all know that. Three straight wins, a top 25 appearance, but then they kind of limped down to the finish. They kind of whimpered to the finish, as it were. But pure win-loss record really doesn't tell the whole story for what Deion Sanders brought to Boulder, Colorado. I think above all else, and I said this earlier with Chad Andrus, clearly Deion Sanders, he injected life into a football program that's basically spent the last 25 years as, as an also-ran. No one talked about Colorado football. They were 1-11 in 2022. They were outscored by 29 points a game. They were lifeless. They were dead on arrival. But then all of a sudden, Dion shows up. There's sound bites everywhere. There's photo shoots everywhere. And the next, you know, they're 3-0. and And there was no hotter ticket in college football. By the way, Colorado, I mean, what, what did Fox Sports Big Noon kickoff go there three straight weeks in a row? Colorado uh, apparently generated more than $90 million in media coverage in September alone. So even though four wins are fairly well below what would have been Deion Sanders' own expectations, five of the eight losses came by just one score. Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter, will they give the program two foundational stars? Became household names and became fan favorites, and people got behind them. Colorado, in 2023, they played in packed houses. That's a big contrast to what they you know, did in recent seasons. Colorado's football program sold out season tickets for the first time in history and had the highest average ticket price in all of college football in September. So, (laughs) Sanders was telling reporters, that climax we gave you early on, quote, we're going to get you back, because I know you liked that ride, didn't you? We're going to get you back there. Now, I I believe that the honeymoon phase is probably over now. It, it, it always, it, it never lasts long in sports. Four wins is acceptable in the first year when you're rebuilding a program from scratch. The next step, Colorado's got to reach a bowl game next year. And the next step after that, they have to legitimately compete for a conference championship. Will, will Dion even be there? Now, Colorado goes back to the Big 12 next season. And they were... You know, among the leaders of the tw- big uh, the, the Pac-12 exodus, so next year's schedule is going to be filled with brand new opponents, and you know everybody's going to have Colorado circled. They're going to have Deion Sanders circled. Here's the question: How are they going to handle it? How will Colorado perform moving forward? Will they validate Sanders' selection as Sports Person of the Year, or is this kind of an overzealous prisoner of the moment type award? I'm not sure. Let's bring in the crew. Kevin, uh, without overthinking it, 
Is Deion Sanders worthy of being Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year? I don't believe so. I mean, it's, if you're going to be the Sports Person of the Year, there has to be some sort of sustainability as being the head coach of a major football program. I think it's great that he put Colorado back on the map for as poor as they as they were and got off to a great start at 3-0. and But beyond that, what did he do? Other than, you know, throw his offensive line under the bus, which is his fault because he didn't recruit and didn't transfer guys in. He got his, his son literally broke his back. Literally suffered a broken back because they couldn't protect him all season long. And they By got the way, worse starting worse left than... tackle just transferred out. You know that, right? I did, I, I did see that. Yeah. Hemorrhaging recruits left and right. They've lost, I think they've lost two more since we signed on the show tonight. It's like, and this is not all, I'm not trying to like shoot and be negative against Deion Sanders, but these are all facts. Just based on how everything started, the we coming and all the things that he yelled out after they beat TCU and followed it up against Nebraska and Colorado State to hit the tank and only win four wins this season. What has he done to be considered the sports person of the year when there are so many other candidates? That, so I don't you understand articulate it. that well. Let's let's talk about this for just a second, then we'll go to Shay. I, I'm okay with the award. Here's why. You could certainly give it to Nikola Jokic, uh-huh. but hell, Lisa Salters claims she never heard of him before the playoffs started, right? Yikes, yes. You could give it to Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Bochy, yeah. but no one watched the World Series this year, and I love Bochy. You could give it to Patrick Mahomes, but he's won everything else. So when you land on Sanders, I'm kind of okay with it. But to your point, what we don't know, Kevin, is if we were to get Pat Forty or whoever decides this thing in a room, I would just merely ask him, what is your criteria? Right. What's your criteria? And if, look, Thoughts? if it's yeah, is it, is it impact? Is it social media buzz? Is it look transcending the sport where you're talking to Good Morning America and all these other people? And and if that's your criteria, then you know what? Sure, I guess. If you're talking about transcending sport and becoming a, a national phenomenon, but that's beyond the sports person of the year. Because are you doing something, some standard of excellence within your field, which is college football? And I think the answer to that is no. Even with the turnaround on a minor scale from an exposure standpoint to Colorado, going four games. And did not have the toughest schedule within the Pac-12. I mean, they lost to some bad teams. Well, your, your point's duly noted in... As I said at the top, Colorado went 1-8 and eight in conference play this year. They went 1-8 and eight in conference play last year. So that is not exactly awe-inspiring if you're looking at the record. Shay, you get the last word on this. Deion Sanders, deserving? I, I don't think he's deserving at all. And I'm kind of upset with both of you because you guys kind of forgot about the FIFA World Cup. Yes, it ended in 2022, December. But still, it it wasn't like it didn't count for that year. So I was assuming, and also Messi was the biggest name for the first like four months of the year. So I'm thinking, also looking at the last two winners from Tom Brady, Stephen Curry, like you would assume it's gonna be Messi. Like I assumed it was gonna be Messi. But Deion Sanders just doesn't make sense to me. You could even give it to like the Moroccan team or something like like anyone over Deion Sanders. Like the FIFA World Cup, one of the biggest sporting events, took place. Yes, it took place last year, but we were still celebrating it four or five months into it. Like, I did you see those videos coming out of Argentina? Like, I I was honestly dumbfounded that Messi didn't. I don't think Messi's won it once either. So I think he was more deserving than Deion Sanders. Like, a thousand times more deserving than Deion Sanders. But again, the U.S. doesn't care about soccer. So I wonder how much we lean towards domestic uh, heroes when it comes to that, and that's probably why. That's what I'm thinking, too. So I don't know. I just, I really think. You could have given it to Angel Reese if you wanted to. You could have gone, you know, the the run that she had. In 2020, we had, I mean, she's technically not, I mean, she's technically, I don't know, Naomi Osaka, like, she won. 
And yeah. like that's probably the last person from Japan. And then we also had I'm looking at a list right now in 2020 uh, from Canada professional football. I don't I don't I don't know this person's name. Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Um, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Yes. yes. So yes. they they also won in 2020. There was like a couple winners in 2020, but. I really do believe it should have been messy, and I, I don't see I don't see an explanation why, and I really don't get it. All right. Well, first of all, your your, your messy comment needs to be framed and hung on the wall at the Louvre next to the Mona Lisa. That was some strong. That was one hell of a strong take, because let's not forget, Messi had done everything, and you know every year at the end of the year, just for giggles, my final show of the year, I always talk about great athletes who never won a championship. Tony Gwynn, Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, Dan Marino, Patrick Ewing, Barry Bonds, Carl Malone, right on down the line. Well, Messi was about to fall in that group. He had all the pressure in the world on him and not only led Argentina with stardom, he came to the United States and he was packing packing the place out, you know, showing up and scoring goals. Look, this is a subjective thing, and that's exactly why they gave it to Dion, but this, this is a good discussion. So names are in the news a lot this week, not the least of which is I'm just going to call this guy a jackass. And it's amazing how he not only gets a, another high-profile job, but he gets a high-profile job at the same place he was unceremoniously removed from 11 years ago. You're going to want to hear this story. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, TireRack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. All right, back in the Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live to Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 2 a.m. Pacific, 5 a.m. Eastern. So after leading Texas A&M's offense to a bottom half ranked offensive production in 2023, 
He's now back at Arkansas as their offensive coordinator. Sound familiar? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Bobby Petrino. Who says you can't go home again? Remember back in 2012, Arkansas was actually 11-2, and and they even got a victory in the Cotton Bowl. But then, shortly thereafter, Bobby Petrino crashed and burned, literally and figuratively, during an April 1st motorcycle ride that turned out to be anything but an April Fool's joke. Now, Bobby Petrino allegedly is an avid motorcycle rider, and he was on a two-lane highway about 20 miles outside of Fayetteville, and in the wreck, he crashed his motorcycle. Not making fun of that part. He suffered four broken ribs, a cracked vertebrae in his neck, abrasions on his face, and then he had this news conference, which is now infamous, where he appeared to be in a neck brace. He said the accident occurred because of the sun and wind caused him to lose control of the motorcycle. Arkansas confirmed the wreck. They went on to note that he was in stable condition and, quote, involved no other individuals. However, the April 1st non-joke motorcycle ride turned out to be, again, anything but a joke. Because, you see, a state police report shed more light on the incident. And they actually disagreed and kind of countered with some of the sketchy details that the university had publicly provided. Turned out, Petrino had been on his motorcycle with someone. A young lady by the name of Jessica Durrell. 25-year-old Jessica Durrell, who, even though she had no football experience, Petrino had just conveniently hired the previous month as the Arkansas Razorbacks player development coordinator. Now, she was a former Arkansas volleyball player, and she'd previously worked for the Razorback Foundation, which was a fundraising arm of the university, and I I guess worked on behalf of the athletic department. But as it turned out, Bobby Petrino and Jessica Durrell were more than just colleagues. You know, Bobby, 51 years old, looking for a little something-something. Sure, he's a married father of four. But it turned out he'd maintained an inappropriate relationship with Jessica Durrell, 25 years old at the time. And apparently, uh, at one point, allegedly, Petrino had given Durrell a $20,000 gift. Hmm. How about that? About 20 minutes before the police report became public, Petrino admitted his relationship with Durrell and being with him on a motorcycle. Here's what's interesting. There was a real conflict of interest here. Darrell was hired for that position I just mentioned, but uh, she was one of 159 applicants for the position. Yeah, but it turned out to be she was very uniquely qualified because of the 159, Darrell was the only one who didn't have a master's degree and the only one that didn't have a football background. And not only that, Petrino, He sought to bypass the university affirmation action policy, or check that, affirmative action. Nice be nice if I could talk, you know what I meant. With that now that requires a job opening to be posted for at least thirty days before interviews begin. And Petrino sidestepped that as well. Further complicating this whole mess 
was that Jessica Durrell was reportedly engaged to a gentleman who was the athletic department's director of swimming and diving. Well, I could go on. But the reality of it is, Arkansas has rehired Bobby Petrino 11 years later. I guess what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. This is where we are. Not judging, but I am reporting. Let's go out to the phones. Emmett joins us from Olympia, Washington. Are you celebrating the Huskies' victory tonight, Emmett? You know, it's funny, Bernie, because uh, my family grew up in Oregon. Like, well, like I have family in Oregon. You know, I really grew up there, but I went, uh, you know, would visit there. So I'm a Ducks fan. I actually went to the 2021 Civil War between Oregon and Oregon State. So I, I like Penix, but it's rough. All right. You wanted to talk about Dion anyway. What are your thoughts about Dion being Sportsman of the Year? Bernie, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I don't get it. I mean, to me, the Sportsman of the Year is like someone who's like you know either like excelled in their coaching and excelled in their uh, like in their play on the field or on the court. You could say. And to me, like yeah, Dion's done a lot for like Colorado, but it's just ridiculous that he won this. I mean, he. They've just fallen, you know, they've pooped the bed, as Ben Maurer would say, since, like, September. So I think it's ridiculous. When you got guys like Nikola Jokic, who carried their nuggets to um, the first ever title in the franchise's history. I mean, Rob Parker brought that up yesterday. I thought that was a great point. Shohei Otani. I mean, Patrick Mahomes. Like, There's so many athletes to where, do I, like, am I hating on Dion for winning it? No, because I like Dion as a coach and I like what he's doing. I just think there's a lot more qualified individuals, you know, who could win the award. All right. Thanks for checking in. Appreciate it, Emmett. And uh, you're not wrong in any of your assertions. I mentioned some of those same players. What we don't know is what the criteria is for the award. And until I know what the criteria is, I'm going to assume this is highly subjective because of the incredible white-hot spotlight that Dion managed to put on Colorado football Pack stadium, celebrities, ninety million dollars in media revenue, the uh, you know the, the big noon kickoff team from Fox there three weeks in a row, ESPN game day, people staying up till two o'clock in the morning Eastern time to see them go overtime with Colorado State. Uh, they became a uh, they sure as hell became a, a Hollywood production for at least a little bit, at least a little while, and Dion proved that you know he could he could draw a crowd. So I it, look. I, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, I'm not going to throw a flag because it's subjective. I would just say this. I don't know what the criteria was, but any of the other people you mentioned, whether it be Mahomes, whether it be Nikola Jokic, you know, even Messi, like Shea said, I, I, I'm good with it. But I want to I wrap this up, this Bobby Petrino thing. Uh, I know that uh, there, were real, there, there, there was a real dalliance between Urban Meyer and Michigan State. I don't care what anybody believes. He ended up not taking the job. Regardless of what happened, uh, throughout this process, there were people at Michigan State, fans that were sanctimonious. How can you hire a guy like that when it ended the way it did at Jacksonville or it ended the way it did at Ohio State or it ended the way it did at Florida? If you saw the Netflix thing, et cetera, et cetera. Really, how the hell can you hire a Bobby Petrino? This one I kind of threw a flag on. Uh, Kevin Figures, you got any thoughts on this? Because uh, you usually... 
have a pragmatic view of these things after what he did 11 years ago, not even disclosing during the hiring process his relationship with this young lady Durrell or his payment to her or Steve during, during this hire, over 159 other candidates who are probably more, probably more qualified. And then he, he brings a bottom half offensive coordinator production from Texas A&M to Arkansas. What, what am I missing here? Uh, well, one word is desperation. That's literally a desperation of familiarity. Things are not going the way that they planned for Sam Pittman. Uh, they know that he has had a run of success, you know, going back to Louisville, having the Heisman Trophy winner with Lamar Jackson. Uh, they can kind of blow off some excuses and say, well, A&M wasn't necessarily his fault. There's so many things working against him. The quarterback got hurt. It was a Jimbo production, on and on and on and on. So I think what this sets them up to do is if things get off slowly next season under Sam Pittman, it gives them the right to be able to fire him and slide Bobby Petrino in on a quote-unquote interim basis. If they have success, they can give him the job right away as opposed to firing Pittman and bringing him in which I so I think this is kind of more of a softer landing to kind of bring him in to be the off, uh, to be the uh, head coach eventually if and when things go under for Sam Pittman that that's what I think they're setting themselves up for here you may well be right and I agree with you desperate people do desperate things but you know in the past few years people there was teeth gnashing about Rick Pitino he actually won a national championship there was teeth gnashing about Urban Meyer won three national championships I mean, there's teeth gnashing about Hugh Freeze and what happened with him. He actually had a lot of success in the other schools. You are right. He did have Lamar Jackson. And even with Lamar on their final game, I think in their bowl game against Mississippi State, they they didn't look great. I always liked Lamar. But Bobby Petrino to me is 30 miles of bad road. He's going to have to prove me wrong. Not for me to be Arkansas's advisor. Uh, I will say this. uh, Shea, I'll tell you what, we got about a minute. You got the last word if you if you care to weigh in on on Bobby Petrino to Arkansas. Yeah, I mean the guy has no loyalty. I mean we saw what he did with um, the team before he came back to the Cardinals. It was Western Kentucky, right? Somewhere yeah, he was there well, for and, a and year. And look what he did with did the Atlanta the Falcons. Falcons. He, he leaves a, he exactly. leaves a note on the, the wall. dude. The dude has no loyalty. So I mean, yeah, Arkansas is taking a gamble on him. Yes, he could be a good coach, but even if he does a good job, is he going to be there for longer than a year? Like, what's going to happen if he does a bad job? They'll fire him. So no matter what, I think they lose on this. Like they get a guy that has no loyalty and the guy that's trying to move up and just make more money. In my opinion. Opinion, has no true love for the sport or love for a team he's playing with. That's that's really bad. Well, and speaking of loyalty, to top it all off, you guys will get a kick out of this. Their returning quarterback, K.J. Jefferson, who's been a three-year starter, who's thrown for over 8,000 yards and 70 touchdowns, has one year left. He just entered the transfer portal this week. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, if Bobby I play behind that offensive line, I would too. <laughs> so, <laughs> guy got his tail kicked all season long. <laughs> All right, coming up, we got Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Figures, with the latest. All right, Bernie, and the Washington Huskies held on for a 34-31 victory over Oregon in the final Pac-12 championship game on Friday night. Huskies running back Dylan Johnson over 150 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns. He also threw a touchdown pass. Michael Penix Jr. won MVP honors, 319 yards through the air with a touchdown pass as well. Liberty winning the Conference USA championship with a 49-35 to 
victory over New Mexico State. Florida State quarterback Tate Rodemaker will be a game-day decision for the ACC championship matchup today against Louisville as he deals with a head injury. In the NFL news, the Browns will start veteran quarterback Joe Flacco against the Rams on Sunday as Dorian Thompson-Robinson failed to clear concussion protocol. In the NBA, Denver won its fourth in a row, a 119-111 victory in Phoenix. Knicks over Toronto, 119-106. You had victories for the Grizzlies, Celtics, or Orlando, who won their ninth game in a row. In college basketball, Northwestern defeated top-ranked Purdue in overtime, while Kansas defeated UConn 69-65. to Back to Bernie Fratto. Okay, thanks, Kevin. This time every week, you heard Shea talking about Messi. Well, you can talk soccer 24-7, 365. It is an international sport. And coming up next year, we've got the Olympics in Paris. That's why each week at this time, we bring you Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. I've just seen the most insane goal I have ever seen. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. Exciting times here as we enter December, Bernie, as across the world we get into the draws of 16. We're waiting here. 12 of 16 teams in the Champions League have punched their tickets to the knockout round. And we're going to talk about MLS Cup playoffs here in a little bit. But first, speaking of that exciting action happening across the world, let's talk about a bit of honesty. Let's talk about a bit of honesty that uh, I haven't really seen in a while. A very fun little incident happened. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's Al Nasser side was taking on Persepolis of Iran in the Asian Champions League on Monday, and there was a 0-0 draw. Al Nasser ends up moving on to the next stage here as the Group E winner with one match left to play, but they've still locked it up. But a, a very interesting thing happened here in what I really haven't seen before in that Cristiano Ronaldo helped to negate a penalty that would have helped his team. Yes, in the world of soccer, where gamesmanship is everything, Cristiano Ronaldo's honesty came to the forefront. He went down in the box in the opening moments and the referee Ma Ning d- d- pointed at the spot, seemed to give a penalty to Ronaldo, to Al Nasser, but Ronaldo instead joined the Iranian players in disputing the penalty itself. Now, only if that honesty would help Ronaldo and Al Nasser in their domestic league, a massive showdown between Al Halal and Al Nasser here on Wednesday saw Al Halal defeat Nasser, handing them their first defeat in 21 games. And now Al Halal sits about six points clear of Al Nasser in the Saudi Pro League table as it starts to get a little tight here in that league. Maybe Ronaldo won't be able to bring them the crown here. It's uh, something you have to keep your eye on. Maybe actually have some interest in the Saudi leagues for once. Al Halal, of course, featuring the famous left winger Neymar as part of the Saudi attempts from these past transfer windows to buy many, many very big name players to get more emphasis on their league. But something else is starting to brew across the world of soccer, and that is the word sin bins. Now, if you are a fan of hockey at all, you might be familiar with the idea of sin bins, a 
fun way to describe penalty boxes where players would have to sit out the uh, uh, duration of a given penalty. Now, this isn't new to soccer, and it's something that's being tested at a grassroots level in England, and it has caused a lot of controversy here this past week, partly because MLS seems very intent on making it part of their own pro league as they look ready to trial sin bins in in football, especially as the sports lawmakers in the International Football Association Board are trying to continue these trials in the hopes to clamp down on player behavior. Now, it's drawn a lot of backlash from uh, coaches and managers in England who think the idea is just patently stupid and think that uh, refs need to stop interfering. Those were the words of Ange Postacoglu, the Tottenham manager who just sees this rule as just nonsense. MLS itself, however, might be more amenable to the idea. Now, it's been in works, as I've said, at lower levels in England's grassroots games. If you are shown a a yellow card, you have to go out and sit about 10 minutes in the sin bin as the penalty is served. After that, they'd have to watch from the touchline before being waved back on during play. Now, I have some mixed feelings about this. For one, I'm not sure what exactly it accomplishes in stopping player interaction with officials. However, the Football Association of England disagrees, saying that 72% of players and 77% of managers and 84% of refs in the grassroots game approved of the Sinbin rule and that it led to a 38% decrease in dissent, which has become a very big problem recently, but a lot of that honestly is part of the ongoing questions about how soccer itself should be officiated at all levels. We have issues with VAR. We have issues with officials and the specter of gambling across the entire world right now as it is. The IFAB wants to trial this at a high professional league. It doesn't sound like they're going to be able to get it with the Women's Super League in Europe or the FA Cup, but MLS could very well be the place where it starts, as, of course, the American League is close to other leagues that have penalty box ideas already and, in general, has seen itself more open to innovation, to different ideas on how to run these things. But, again, and I approach this with a air of skepticism about it. I'm not quite sure what this resolves. Uh, they say they want to make these sin bin offenses for specific things, especially for tactical fouls. If, say, a player tugs on another player's shirt and brings him down while in a scoring position, but the the ideas in general just seems to invite more conflict, more disputes of official officials and their decisions. Nevertheless, at the grassroots game, it seems to be working. However, I always believe that that changes quite differently when you move up to the professional ranks where the stakes are much higher, the money so much more involved, and the audience is much more blood frenzied in their thirst. Finally, we must say congratulations to FC Cincinnati superstar and captain Luciano Acosta, named MLS MVP this week here. 29-year-old attacking midfielder with 17 goals and 10 assists as 
because FC Cincinnati will be taking on a sleeper pick I had in the MLS Cup playoffs, the Columbus Crew here on Saturday as part as we start to get ready to see who is going to the MLS Cup final. LAFC, of course, also taking on Houston Dynamo on Saturday as well as for the Western Conference side of things. We'll check in with that all soon enough. We'll see you next time in the world of soccer. All right, there you have it. Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Coming up, we wrap up the show. Final thoughts on the remaining conference championship games on Saturday. We'll put some percentages on what's likely to happen. But they aren't my percentages. I don't know how you feel about that all-state predictor, but according to them, Oregon had a 76% chance of winning Friday and a 70% chance of getting into the playoffs. Washington had a 24% chance of winning the game and a 26% chance of winning of advancing to the playoffs. Now, Washington has a 100% chance of being in the playoffs. Plus, we'll talk about it. Is it better to be hired or fired? Well, it depends on how you feel about your pocketbook. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to The Bernie Fratto Show, Fox Sports Radio. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. All right, wrapping it up on the Bernie Fratto Show. We've been coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team uh, back in Los Angeles. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Friday night. Kevin Figures on the updates. Shea Mogengard, 
Turning all the dials, keeping us good together. Of course, Mark Ramsey, our technical producer. Good stuff, good discussions, good teamwork tonight, guys. And, uh, of course, our focus is the College Football Conference Championships, but we've got a bizarre world coming up. I'll be back on these airwaves Saturday night at 11 p.m. Pacific, and boy, do we have a jam-packed show as well. We are heading into a Sunday of NFL Bizarre World. If you don't believe me, you've got a 10-1 team that's a home underdog. That would be the Eagles catching three from the 49ers. you got a Bill Belichick coach team who's a home underdog against a team who's under 500. By the way, the Broncos, they gave up 70 points in one game a few weeks back. Now they've only given up 80 points in the last five and they're five in a row, it's going to be a fun NFL Sunday. But we've still first got our made-for-TV Invitational Tournament Committee selections. So since this playoff uh, format began in 2014, 29 of the 36 participants have been conference champions. So Washington took care of business Friday night. Michigan, I expect, will take care of business. If Florida State takes care of business and Georgia takes care of business, you'll have four conference champions. I think regardless of what happens, because if Texas wins, they'll be a conference champion. If Alabama wins, they'll be a conference champion. Uh, Oregon got beat, so they're done. And Ohio State, no. Again, I don't know how you feel about the All-State um, with all due respect, the All-State, uh, what do they call them, the, the, the playoff predictor, I don't know how they do this because they had Oregon 76% chance of winning, which I think a lot of people thought they were. They were laying nine, nine and a half, and 70% chance to make the playoff. Well, you've already got one team in that, according to them, had a 24% chance of not only winning Friday night, but only a 26% chance of making the playoffs. That's Washington. Michigan, they're projected to have a 93% chance to beat Iowa. Feels more like 193%. I feel like Michigan's in. Georgia, Alabama's tight. They've got Georgia as a 52% chance to win the game, but a 56% chance to get to the playoffs where only Alabama has a 28% chance. If you want the higher probabilities, they've got Texas at 48% and Florida State at 70% to make the playoffs. It feels like there's going to be a monkey wrench here. And again, with all due respect to Florida, you know the committee has an out. If there is a, a, a you know a substantive composition change, a, a change in the composition of the roster, right? So I don't know what's going to happen Saturday. They're marching out Rodemaker or their third string quarterback. Anyway, you slice it, it it feels rough. I think our consensus was that we believe at the end of the day the committee will select Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Texas, and I don't think how you can argue with that now Kurt one of our callers uh, he, he had he, he likes Georgia Alabama Michigan and Washington now that would leave Texas out and you'd have a non-conference champion one loss champion in there versus a Texas conference champion but this is why this this 12 team playoff can't get here soon enough all right college football's regular season is over and here we go baby you're not going to believe it. So far, college football coaches who have been fired this year will be collecting a cumulative $118 million in buyouts. Oh, man, let your mamas, let your babies grow up to be college football coaches. 
Hell, you, you thought Jimbo Fisher was the star. Seventy-six point three million. He's going to get twenty-seven million of it within four months, and then they've got till twenty thirty-one to pay him out. He gone. Jimbo Fisher gone. But he's not the only one that gets to party this Christmas. Indiana, the Hoosiers, they finished with a record of 3-9 and nine this year. They fired their head coach, Tom Allen, who agreed to a $15.5 million settlement. I say settlement because I believe his buyout was $20 million, but he's not going to complain. 15.5 goes a long way in Bloomington if he stays there. Michael Penix didn't stay there. Kalen DeBoer didn't stay there. I'm sure Tom Allen will land somewhere, and he'll, he'll pull up and, and find Fettel. Your Houston Cougars ended the season with a 4-8 and eight record. They promptly fired their coach, Dana Holgerson. He'll receive a tidy $14.8 million in buyout money. Those two figures alone are worth a combined $30.3 million. That takes this season's total of buyout money owed to coaches more than $118 million, which blows past the single-season record of $94 million back in 2021 with, of course, by uh, Jimbo Fisher getting the uh, getting the, the all-time booby prize, $76.8 million. But don't, it's not just him. Two minutes. Mississippi State. Remember, remember two, three Saturdays ago when Texas A&M blew out Mississippi State 51-10? to 10? That's when the good folks down in College Station says, okay, we've had enough of Jimbo Fisher, which my moles had told me had been pretty well decided with the minute he didn't win the SEC West. They'd seen enough. They'd had enough. They didn't feel he was a fit in Texas in retrospect. Didn't recruit Texas that well. They pissed away $30 million in NIL money. Came up with a great program called Amplify. But you can't buy love, can you? You can't. Uh, and I, I really am curious where the NFL, the NIL uh, ordeal goes the next few years. But Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, he was on the opposite side of that 51-10 to 10 ass-whooping against Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M in his swan song. He walks away after being fired the next day as well with $4.5 million. Dino Babers, one of the better offensive minds, had some good highlights in Syracuse, knocked off Clemson a couple times, had their day in the sun, but he's let go. He's going to walk away with $4 million. Boise State, Andy Avalos, and conveniently enough, Boise State later today playing the Mountain West Conference championship game against UNLV is a three-point favorite. They let their coach go about four weeks ago, $3 million buyout. And maybe it was the right decision. I don't know. One of the wide receivers who quit the team under Avalos wants back on the team. They didn't let him back. But there you have it. Finally, New Mexico's Danny Gonzalez, $400,000. The list will grow. And let's not forget Mel Tucker and the $80 million he's owned, but that's currently in dispute. So we shall see what we shall see. Can't wait. Seven hours and six minutes. Texas and Oklahoma State. I think it's going to be closer than people realize. And we'll, have, we'll see what happens. It's going to do it for the Bernie Fratto Show. But coming up, keep it locked. Up next, the great Anthony Gargano and Jason Fitz, Fox Sports Radio. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroesfilm.com to get tickets now. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. CNN. 